When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Brian House, and you're listening to the Work For It podcast. Our primary focus is business in the workshop. And if you want us to see and discuss your work, use the hashtag WFI Projects on Instagram, and we will shout you out and your projects. Did you know you can support our work for as little as $1 a month or $12 a year? Go to patreon.com forward slash work for it to find out more. $12 a year? That's like a burrito. I love burritos. Hey, welcome to the Thursday morning podcast, Work For It podcast. I hope you guys are having an awesome working week. My name is Brian House. I'm Brian Cohn, and we have the one and only Jeremy from Simple Little Life. How's it going, guys? Can you believe it that Jeremy is is on our podcast? Because I can't. I think about this all the time, and it blows my mind because he's one of the people that I've followed for so many years on social media, and now we're having a conversation, which is a little bit like um, Inception in my head a little bit. <laughs> like I'm turning around, you know, I'm trying to... Have you ever seen that movie, Wayne's World, Jeremy? <laughs> yes, a long time ago, like, yeah. Years ago, do you rem- do you remember the scene where they they get backstage to the Alice Cooper con uh, the concert? <laughs> I'm not worthy. I don't. <laughs> oh, I remember right that now, phrase. Bro. Yeah, there we go. Here we go. Yeah, they're, we're they're bowing not down. Worthy. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're not worthy. worthy. We're not worthy. <laughs> That's it, man. That's it, dude. Yeah, it's right that now. Way too far. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's absolutely crazy for me though because like. When I was first getting into knife making and even like just watching YouTube, it was me and my buddy Brad Venman at Target stocking shelves. And like mm-hmm. we started talking back and forth and he brought up, oh, have you checked out Simple Little Life? And I was like, oh, hell yeah, I love Simple Little Life. So we started watching together and then finally it came down to a weekend where, you know, basically we made a knife in the backyard and I caught the damn bug. Thanks to you, yeah. man. I appreciate it. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it's such a crazy world, you know, this whole social media. <laughs> you know, you yeah, start... Dude start filming for just kicks and, and next thing you know people watch it i'm like wow this is weird and i i don't know i think most people i mean maybe now they do but most people that i've always watched they never did it so that they could make a career out of it or get big right it's just i just want to mm-hmm. share what i know and it's it starts there and i find it so weird when people are like oh i like you'll meet people in a mall and they're like oh i watch your videos i'm like that's weird man that's just weird. <laughs> for sure <laughs> for crazy sure. Get Getting recognized is a very odd feeling, and and when I went to Blade Show this year, it was that 
every 10 feet I couldn't yeah. walk and, you know, cause that's like where all the people go that watch our content. And yeah. so, you know, it, it was a really interesting feeling getting sort of, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say that I didn't like it cause I liked it. I, I really loved it. And, but like some people would come up to me and, and they were getting emotional about, you know, the work that we do. And, and it was, the impact I think is much larger than we know. And mm. it, so you have to take it somewhat seriously, but I, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you directly was when you, when you start getting the amount of following that you have in social media, I'm sure you get reached at, you know, people reach out to you all the time wanting to ask you questions and just kind of, you know, buddy up next to you a little bit. And, and how do you handle like time management? Because you're, you're running a business, you know, you're doing your knife making, you're a full-time knife maker and a content creator. And then also you're uh, doing work with your wife and Etsy and, you know, managing all of that and family. You seem to have, and, and this could be off, but you seem to have a really good work-life balance. How do you, how do you do it? Oh, you got Ben here. Welcome. Howdy. <laughs> hey, Ben. Um, okay, so to, to the question then, uh, you know, the the more, the, the bigger the YouTube got, and this seems really weird, the less you kind of have to care about it. Um, if you really, you know, if I, if I put in all the work that that it would seem to require of me, that's the only thing I would ever do. And it, like I, I don't know. It's it's weird. Do you like right now? Honestly, if my YouTube channel quit, I I really wouldn't care. Like I, I hate to say it, but I think it's the best way to be. Like if you worry about it too much, it's like oh, I got to do this, got to do this. It, it will it will never give you a break. Like yeah. it will require mm. everything of you and never let it go. Yeah. And um, I'm at the point, and I, I think <clears throat> you know all the the naysayers and all the haters and the trolls. I think they've kind of they kind of get get you to that point where it's kind of like, you know what? I don't even care anymore. You know, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I don't care who likes it. I don't care about any of this crap. I'm just doing this. And if it all goes away, who cares? And then you, you're kind of free to just be like, Hey, this is great. This is enjoyable now. Cause you know, it would never let you go if you fed it what it wanted. Yeah, that's a good point. I think you're right about that. You need to sort of let it, the, I was taking it really seriously in the beginning and I still do cause I treat it like a business now, but I was just having this conversation with Brian about how like I've got so many orders. I'm trying to fill them. And now do I, who do I pick the people who have spent money with me and have orders and I have to push those out or my YouTube audience, because Mm -hmm. I have to pick, I I cannot physically do all the, you know, there's not enough time in the day. So uh, I think that's uh, an important piece of advice to just kind of, let it all go and see where it takes you. Because and ultimately, I think that's how you started in social media and how I got started in my business and everything was I was just following my bliss, following what I like to do mm-hmm. and showing it off and showing everything and kind of sharing it as I went. And then people just started piling on. In fact, you were one of the first people who shouted me out. And I think I, I'm fairly certain that that was a big moment in uh, my, my like being discovered. I think that's like how a lot of people found me was you were, you said somebody asked you, I don't remember where it was or what podcast, but you were like that Brian house guy, you got to watch him. And he, I think he's going to be doing something. So I appreciate yeah. that, man. I really did. Yeah, that. Yeah. That was on the knife talk. 
because Craig, Craig and I were, yeah. were chatting and he'd heard about you too. He's like, oh yeah, I've watched him and stuff. I was like, oh yeah, he's going to, yeah, that's where it was. Do you think, um, how much of, uh, how much of it is getting a system and, and having that system figured out to where you're not needing to maybe muck with it as much versus just getting hardened by, you know, the trolls and that stuff. Mm-hmm. It seems starting out, I mean, I'm, my YouTube channel is incredibly new. And I still just, I am struggling to find that uh, system, if you will. I, I, like, how do you mean a system? Like, guess, as far as your workflow? Yeah, or? To, to an extent, I guess, is, um, you know, shooting videos, editing videos, posting. There's so much, seemingly, at least in the beginning, that goes into that. Um, does it mm-hmm. seem... Once you've kind of got that down and it becomes old hat, you know, like if I post to Instagram, it takes me all of about 10 seconds. It used to take me a lot longer, yeah. you know, um, but now it's just old hat and you can, you yeah. Know, you, maybe you care less before pulling that trigger. <laughs> you know, you're like a sniper. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think too. Um, so you post Instagram a lot. Though, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. The more you do it, the better you get. What I did, <clears throat> excuse me, in the beginning of my channel, is I did a, a 30 day challenge mm-hmm. just so that I could figure that out. And that has made the biggest difference to my process. Um, nice. I decided every single day I'm going to shoot and edit and upload all in one day. And I did that for 30 days. And man, my editing is so fast. Now, like, I don't ever yeah. spend more than two hours on any video I make. That's wow. like, awesome. Like, less than two hours for sure. So, you know, it's nice. You can be outside working on something. You come in and it's like, oh, I know I could get up at like five o'clock in the morning and I'll have everything done. The edit will be done, the thumbnail, the description, mm-hmm. everything could come out at live live at nine o'clock. Yeah. You know? Um, I think it's just practice and repetition as far as making that efficient. Right. Yeah, and you I I I've always felt you're you do such a good job at being you, <laughs> you know, at some level and, and I think it shows it's most likely due a lot in part to to having that process and and having that experience you know you can't you can't replace 100 plus video uploads you know it just it takes time yeah yeah and then you know you look at some of these channels where they've got like 30 videos yeah and like 4 million followers i'm like man those guys i i think i figured out recently and i've kind of discovered this is that i'm a i'm a long game player i don't think Mm -hmm. i'm you know i'm not interesting enough i'm not talented enough I, I could do like really great cinematography and that stuff fascinates me, but yeah. I, it, it takes so much work. And like you look at uh, Peter McKinnon, right? Like his videos are just, he's prolific. Plus they're the next level stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, He's got a different level of energy though. Uh, and that guy puts a lot of, <laughs> you know, you never think too, about right? it. I mean, uh, you know, and that's what yeah. maybe people don't, don't realize to an extent is some of these bigger channels have big teams behind them. You know, five, six, mm-hmm. ten people. And going off of that just a little bit, um, that's something I'm really realizing with my channel is that, you know, the really high production videos that I put out with Kyle are really cool, but, you know, realistically, we can only do that maybe once a month tops. Yeah. And I've been starting to put out a few more, you know, low, lower quality. It's just me and a tripod, you know, filming these that's things. Awesome, dude. And um, I'm, I'm really realizing that most people... Don't I mean? Of course, the high high video production of the better ones are gonna be you know more you know wow inducing. But like 
you know, people also enjoy those, you know, lower production, easier videos, and you don't necessarily need that crazy high production to, uh, you know, keep mm-hmm. somebody's attention and have somebody learn what you're trying to do. Yeah. So, people yeah. want you. They one of the things I, camera. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's true because I that was one of the things I wanted to bring up to Jeremy was the little bits of life detail that I pick up from the all the content that you push out, Jeremy. And, and it's, it's the little things that I hear and, and, and you choose to release, you know, certain things about your life and in your feelings. Those are the things that I latched onto and listened and felt very, you know, I like a, a camaraderie with yeah. you as a person. And I think that that's a risky move, you know, when you create content because, you know, the trolls or whoever can latch on to stuff like that. But you seem to not worry about it. And then I took that same path when I started working on the podcast was I was just going to share everything and let everybody know. So when people come over from YouTube and they see my polished videos and me talking about my process and whatever else, they come over to the work for it podcast and they hear me bitching about the United States Postal Service. <laughs> it's a complete, there's two different yeah. Brian's there's the YouTube Brian and there's this podcast Brian. And then I started thinking, well, why the hell do I not just blend the two together and see what happens? And I Magic. think there's some fear there because, well, it's, I feel, I feel like maybe, yeah. you know, like if I spoke about it openly on YouTube or the things that I was talking about on YouTube, came over to the podcast and vice versa, it could hurt my business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, man, I, I just respect what the, the path you've chosen because I get these windows into your life that I really love. And I, I wish I could do the same thing. And maybe at some point I will. Yeah. No, I hear you. Like people often mislabel me as a really nice person. <laughs> and you got that fiery oh, Canadian job. attitude. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. They think, well, Canadian, uh, Canadians generally are passive, but I'm, I'm not a nice guy. Like, you know, I, uh, when, when you like to fight. That, you said that yeah, in your podcast oh, at one time. You're uh, like, I love to fight with people online, and you get something out of it. I love I was, I, w- I feel like I was born to fight. Yeah. I was watching the <laughs> um, your video on the uh, the fake Damascus knives and trying to sharpen those, and yeah, I saw a little window yeah. in the, into that <laughs> side. I think. <laughs> yeah, he, he had a, had a really good yeah, choice and you know of that, words a few times. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, the, the thing is, I think about like, um, and then like, you, you, I mean, we all know and we acknowledge we're living in a crazy world right now. Yeah. And sometimes I want to use my platforms to address how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, wait a minute, every single person that has chosen to hit the subscribe button, it's for what I've done in the past, yeah. right? It's, and what I've done in the past is not political commentary, right? right? So there's a sense where I can't, there's parts of my life that, that are totally different than what you see on camera because I, I feel it'd be deceptive, yeah. right? It's like, okay, now I've got a, a bit of a following. Now I can use this. Same thing with actors and actresses start getting political. It's like, dude, yeah. Yeah. you're famous because of what you can do on screen, not because of your political, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. And then again, there's a certain sense where, you know, if you believe in something, you need to pursue it, whatever that is. And if you have an audience and you have a, you know, more influence, you know, is that your right to do it? I don't know. But, um, and so it's hard, it's hard to make content that's in my mind, like just making knife making without bringing some of your life into it, you know, you could stand up there and 
be a professor, right? That just spouts out the knowledge and teaches the lesson and, and goes home. But I mean, I, I think at some level we, we learn better or our attention is kept better when we're entertained to a degree. Right. And, and so a dry, mm-hmm. dull lesson at some level, you know, there are a great number of folks that probably would benefit from that tremendously. But for the most part, I think people these days anywhere are coming to YouTube for so many different reasons. Right. And, yes. and that's yeah. part of, I think what makes it so stinking hard these days is that you've got to entertain, you've got to educate, you've got to, you know, all these different things melted into one and it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. Or you pick, yeah. I yeah, mean, you, you pick. could pick the, the path that you want, you know, and, and what Jeremy does is a little bit of both or all, you know, so, you know, and I'm sure Jeremy, you get these comments cause I get them too. When I educate people on something, you know, people are like, well, we want to see you do this. Yeah. You know, what, what about mm-hmm. this? Why aren't you not doing this? Well, well, I need to make evergreen content. I can't, I can't sit here and just vlog all day long. You know, go, go follow me on Instagram yeah. if you want to hear me bitch about stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the other on the converse, if I, if I do something entertaining and, and funny or whatever, people are like, well, I really wish you would have shown me how to do this. <laughs> and and I, I can't, like, there's just somebody out there that made a hat that just says like, can't please them all or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And I think, I think to myself, that's just the way it is. You have to just follow whatever you're doing, which ultimately has led to success in multiple avenues. So you can just like, like you said in the beginning, let it all go. Don't try to please one person or no. one crew. Just produce, push it out there, and hope for the best. Yeah. So uh, here's a quick question. Real oh, quick, I wanted to sw- switch gears real fast, Jeremy, because I, I have one more question for you about sponsorships. Because I know now you're you're uh, partnered with Princess Auto, mm-hmm. and you're doing a lot of work with them. I am insanely jealous of that relationship right. and I want you to know that because I'm just like, <laughs> it's so freaking cool that you have access to all this stuff and you just say, look, I got this at Princess Auto, look what they're doing. And they're basically expanding yeah. their uh, product line to mm-hmm. fall right. in line with your the content. Tongs? It's yeah, freaking like huge, dude. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. Like how, I mean, if you don't, if you can talk about it, like how did it all come about and how do you like working with them? Oh, I love it. Um, so, like, first of all, I remember, like, my dad, I, my dad was a millwright. He worked with his hands. He ended, you know, he started a business. And, you know, my teenage years, he's always traveling and, and doing business stuff. But as a kid, we were always in the garage. And Princess Auto was our store. And it was, it's always been my favorite store. And, and back in the day, it was a surplus store. Mm. Sort of like, it wasn't military fully surplus. It also had, like, automotive surplus. So you could go there and buy, like, uh, you know, window winding motors, the little <laughs> motors that would put your, you know, and just they'd sure. have baskets of them, crates of them, and you just dig the through best. and mm. all kinds of weird, like when cassette tapes were dying out, I don't know what happened. Maybe there's a factory that took old ones and took all the motors out of them and sold them to Princess Auto, <laughs> but you, you could go buy, you could buy like a, a bag, a Ziploc bag of electric motors for like $2, nice. right? And so I, when I was a kid, man, I had all this stuff and uh, it was a cool store, so I would say it's probably three years ago, Princess Auto themselves reached out to me and said, you know, we'd like to start working with quote unquote influencers. You know, we've never done this before. And anyways, they ended up sending me a product and they wanted me to do a demo video and it was a garage heater. And so I hung this garage heater 
and then sent them the video and then they had a whole bunch of critiques they said well first of all you, you stood on the ladder wrong you did this wrong <laughs> this is way too heavy for you to lift by yourself <laughs> yeah and i'm oh like my gosh okay so i see and from their standpoint absolutely right yeah. like they you, you know they need to make sure they can mitigate any liability and ultimately if you buy something and you buy a hammer and hit your head with it. It's your own fault. Right. But mm-hmm. they're not going to have a commercial of somebody hitting their themselves in the head. But two years ago, right? <laughs> and brands, so I was like, brands weren't familiar with the content game either, right? So I, I, I no. noticed that shift too. Like they just had no clue. They some still don't, but yeah, it's new. Yeah, yeah. And so what ended up happening was that they were like, okay, we need to think about it. And then they said, well, how much money do you want? And I said, I don't know. I said, I'm just as new to this as you are. And then they went silent for a year, year and a half, and then I got reached out to by another company who was actually like an advertising agency out of Toronto. And so Princess Auto hired them and gave them a list of content creators they wanted to work with, and they have experience with this, right? Like they advertise in TV, radio, um, magazines. It, it's an advertising house. So uh, they reached out to me. We negotiated a contract, and bada-boom, bada-bing. Nice. And then the, the first one was for 14 months. That one's done. And then we just signed again for 2022. Nice. So, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Awesome. I, love, I love the origin stories of that because I get reached out to now by different vendors. And I don't know. Yeah. You're, just like what you said, this is how I respond to them. I go, I know I have no idea what even to charge for this. Yeah. I ha- You know, you want me to produce content. And, you know, they're like, well, how much for a video? Well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Sure. It's a very odd uh, scenario, but here's what I will say. So uh, if you're not in Canada, Princess Auto is kind of off your radar. So it, to liken it to a store in America, we, I would think it's similar to like a Harbor Freight kind of thing, where it's tools and surplus and other stuff. So we have these stores in, in the U.S. called Harbor Freight. And, um, and I think, and Northern Tool. Northern Tool is another yeah. one that is really similar, mm-hmm. where you walk in and you, you can just about find anything you need. Um, and to be approached by one of those is like Xanadu, you know, that is because you have like an endless resource. You can go there, you can find the things that you need and you can actually, um, oh man, we lost Ben and Brian. Go ahead and hit record coming at you live on the work for it podcast. Technical issue. Take three. <laughs> Goodness. We never have these issues. And then we have somebody who we really want to talk to on the show. It's all my yeah, fault. Of course. <laughs> it's that it's Canadian that dang, influence. I was That's just right. going to say, it's that dang Canadian internet. Something's going on up there near it's, near the shield. Yeah, it's so cold here. Everything just slows down. Oh, boy. I'll tell you what. If it's cold, mm-hmm. like so this morning, I could see my breath in oh, no. South Florida. <laughs> oh, no. And I'm telling you, you I had to put thing. on a hoodie this morning. <laughs> a hoodie. Oh, oh boy! On my way in, and um, and and just just to lighten the mood a little bit, let me tell you a story. So when I had my air conditioning moved in my shop, I'm like, I'm wondering, you know, because a lot of times down here they don't put heat coils in our air conditioners here because yeah. no one really uses them, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I wonder if this thing has heat. So I turn on the heat, and it must have been the first time <laughs> that the heat had come on on this thing, and you know, there's like 
dust on the coils or whatever. My whole yeah. shop sm- fills with this like smell, like mm-hmm. a dead rat is being cooked on a grill. Yeah, and then and then um, and then all of a sudden my breaker blows because of course they didn't wire it for heat; they wired it only for <laughs> blowing air. That's funny. And uh, so yeah, so I have heat, I just can't use it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. you know my right. cure for being cold is what's it? It's work. You just you work go. harder. You yeah. work harder and you make it happen. And then you get hot and sweaty and that's it. That's what yep. we do. This morning is minus 22 Celsius, which is minus 7.6 Fahrenheit. Oof. Oh, my goodness, dude. Uh, this isn't bad. Like, we've had, we've had minus 38 already this year a few times. It's, that's, minus that's 38. That yeah. is insane. I got, that's, cold, that's the kind of cold that kills people. Minus oh, it is for sure, yeah. Celsius? See... Yeah, so that's minus thirty six point four Fahrenheit. Oh, See, fuck me. That's why I love. That's why I love Michigan. You still get warm in the summer. You don't get too overly cold in the winter. It's just that nice little middle ground. That is cold, yeah. man. When it's that cold and you're driving, you can hear like your torsion springs, right? like Squeaky. creaking. Like, oh, boy. Oh, that's the cold. I lifted up the. Yeah, I lifted up the hood of our van to like plug it in because we have block heaters. And the windshield washer hose, it just snaps because it's so brittle oh, at that temperature. Wow. It's, mm. it's like constantly doing stuff if you're your driving nose. much. Oh, you know, that's, that's like, oh, yeah. Than a well digger's ass. <laughs> I actually love it. It's fun. <laughs> it is neat when it's that. Yeah. Some bitter. people really love the cold. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Daily life yeah. sucks, like driving to work and all that, going for groceries. But like you, you bundle up and you go for a walk, it is something else. It sounds different at that temperature. Mm-hmm. It's weird. But it's good. What's the cold? Yeah, everything seems to be different in the cold and mm-hmm. the heat. And I notice it down here, even though we don't have huge fluctuations in temperature in Florida. But it's it's one of those things where in the middle of the summer, like August heat here. Yeah. Uh, have you ever watched the show Breaking Bad where you can tell like when they're in Mexico, they change the color of the screen <laughs> yep. so that yep. you know. Oh, like a yellowish looks, tint. Yeah. That yellowish tint. Florida yeah. gets that. So uh-huh. we get that here where, you know, and certain times of the day, everything kind of looks a little yellow yeah. and yeah. just kind of hazy and foggy. And it's because it's 100% humidity and you really, you just have to swim through it everywhere yep. you go. Yeah. So. Yep. Man. Getting back to our conversation about about Princess Auto and being in sponsorships, I'm uh, the one final question I had about that is, is now do you feel like you have this support of this corporation behind you that's saying like hey create this content help us and work with us did it did it add pressure or does it did it release pressure with what you're doing um ah that's a that's a good question i've never really thought about it i don't know that it changed anything for me um i don't know like it's interesting because they have zero input in what I create and what I do. Yeah. Um, the challenge, the, the one thing I find, like, I'll just be brutally honest, and I can't talk about contract stuff, but my audience base is largely United States, mm. like, I think, like, 90-some percent. And sure. so when I run my analytics, I can have, you know, whatever views, and then whatever percentage of that is Canadian views. So there's a certain sense where, I mean, I want those views to perform on, and they don't always. Yeah. But, you know, if, if if a company's actually standing up to the table and saying, hey, listen, we're going to give you this amount of money for this, you want to do right by them, perform, right? right? You yeah. you want to go above and beyond. Yeah, you want them to be like, oh, wow, this is well worth the, the investment. Um, mm. 
And it's it's funny because some some videos will do pretty good, and then I look at the Canadian views, and there's like three percent of them were Canadian. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, so you take whatever you say if a video gets a thousand views, like three percent of that is Canadian. It's really it's it's a challenge for me to try and make content. <sighs> It's not too grandiose. Yeah. And I mean, if I just did a certain knife, it would be a knife and it would probably be popular. But how do I honestly integrate that other than just saying this is sponsored by Princess Auto? And that's always an option yeah. too, right? Like literally they're putting their name on this video and they're paying me. So this video is sponsored by them. I kind of want to do a little bit more showing what Princess Auto is about and, and you know, try and feature some of their products in the video. So it's not just their name in front of people, but also, oh, okay, that's their a store. Products. Oh yeah, yeah, their products. So uh, I, I think maybe it does add a little bit more challenge, I sure. guess, when I think about it. It's hard to measure um, brand awareness, isn't it? I I feel like that's something that's somewhat overlooked um, with brands and content creators or, you know, folks on YouTube or Instagram. Um, it's really tricky to measure that. What's, what is brand awareness worth? You know, even if it's folks in the mm-hmm. U.S. that now know all about Princess Auto – um, some, somehow through the trickle down or whatever it may be, um, you got to find some way to show, yeah, you're, you're making an impact, right? It's, it's not often easy to mm-hmm. equate our content to a sale, right? If you, if you're using yeah. like affiliate yeah. links through Amazon, you can show that kind of stuff. But I've often struggled with that is, is just that brand recognition and awareness you know, like I, I've worked with skill power tools now for a number of years, you know, and, and they've had a reputation in the past of, you know, being a cheaper tool brand. But in my experience, you know, that's changed dramatically today. And so trying to mm-hmm. trying to get that awareness changed is not easy, <laughs> you know, but I but I think mm-hmm. it just it starts by folks recognizing oh princess auto that's not just an auto parts store you know um or that's mm-hmm. not in the u.s it's in canada but you know the equivalent here would be maybe a harbor freight or it's really tricky and i think um some of the brands i've worked with care a whole awful lot about that and others could care less <laughs> you know um, yeah. how how involved do you stay with princess auto or some of your other uh folks that you've worked with is it real collaborative or is it kind of you know no yeah no it is 100 percent um i actually don't even speak with princess auto uh and and that's the way they set it up right because they are unfamiliar with this territory so was i so it makes sense and so if i have ideas or something um i can run it through my or i guess the go between the agency yeah. my agent and then they'll bring it to them and uh as it's set up though it's it's just a video a month and there's a dollar figure sure. attached to that and then there's gift cards that i can i can use to buy whatever product or tools i want yeah. and then um yeah, i'm often anything i want i could literally yeah. have a fishing video <laughs> if i wanted to you know i'm i'm often torn by that i think i've i've worked with you know, a, a number of different brands. Some of them I've been really collaborative with. And we have, you know, the marketing person and I have worked, you know, closely together. We've brainstormed ideas. We've had jam sessions and and it was a lot of fun. And then I've also worked with, you know, like you said, somebody just literally a package shows up one day and there's literally no strings attached, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I think both are enjoyable, 
There are times being, you know, a single person business, there are times where it's nice to have that think tank brainstorm session, you know, and, and to know mm-hmm. that the brand actually gives a shit enough, you know, to put some time into your, into your content or into your efforts. Uh, but it is mm-hmm. really nice. Like you say, just to, you know, pull out that gift card, order up the next crazy idea and make the video, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. One one thing to consider too, from a business standpoint, is you don't know what Princess Auto's business model looks like for expansion into the U.S. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. you know, I didn't right. know they existed until you brought them up, and perhaps that's on the forefront. I'm talking out of my butt here, but I'm just saying, you know, from from a from a business owner standpoint, they might be looking at you know not so much the Canadian views, but expanding into these yeah. other markets mm-hmm. because companies do this all the time and you know they're setting the stage and they might be using you and the other part about that what i love about this is that it opens the door for you now to be a brand ambassador to stuff that you really like doing so Mm -hmm. you're you know other other places are going to reach out to you and go gosh you know he's doing this great work with them why not have them do work with yeah. us too and you know we can do something and collaborate on it. i look so, at our yeah. i think it's a really awesome door look, to open yeah you know? I, I don't know if you guys follow rr buildings he oh uh, yeah he built uh he builds i i don't dare call them pole barns but i'm going to anyway he has a number of videos where he bashes pole barn uh i can't remember what the hell he calls <laughs> it but but now you know he was prolific and created a ton of content. I think he built Jimmy Duresta's barn. Um, and, and you're right, Brian, it opened so many doors for him. I now see him, you know, on insurance commercials on YouTube and, you know, all these oh, other wow. avenues that opened up for him. I mean, you know, he's a, he's a good looking dude. He's, you know, really fit. He's, you know, all this stuff. So he makes a perfect ambassador. Uh, not that you wouldn't, Jeremy. You you fit all those criteria as well. <laughs> no, I certainly don't. <laughs> but you, but you're just, just an old bald that, guy. That love of fighting just isn't probably going to make it all work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's neat no, and well, online too, right? You never know. Princess Auto opens an online division, and Bob's your uncle. You know they're shipping. All of a sudden, they're shipping international, mm. and and look out. You know you you got to. First class ticket to the ride. I get messages a lot saying, "Oh, I tried ordering online; they don't ship to the Mm -hmm. states." And I'm like, "Well, that's good." Like, and and at least from their standpoint, they can see all their web analytics and see how many people are trying. Sure. Uh, They, I've had those same thoughts, Brian. I was like, "Man, I hope they expand." And you know, it's funny because I didn't think they would want to sign with me again because of the when I look at purely the Canadian performance, I'm telling you, it is not worth it. (laughs) Like, it is not. Yeah worth what I get paid. And so there's a point where I'm like, oh, but I mean, from the overall performance, if you just, yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah. You know, it's, it's getting exposure. Um, I'm not like a celebrity and not getting, you know, millions of views, but you know, I'm not also not charging them like a ransom every time I make a video for yeah. them. Um, but like I was wondering about that and about expanding into the United States. But the other thing I've noticed is I check out their flyers. They've got flyers that come out every two weeks and they've got a monthly flyer. And I'm starting to see some of the products that I've featured on my YouTube in their flyers that I've never seen before. Nice. And I've been, I religiously read their flyers like for years. 
I get them. I actually bought an old truck one time, and it had a Princess Auto catalog from like '86. Oh, cool! I have that on display in my garage. Yeah, it's cool. But and so that's kind of cool. And I I don't know for sure what the influence is, but I go to my local uh, Princess. I go there like once a week because it's right by where we drop packages off. And uh, yeah, you know, I'll like when I did that. Um, making a knife with a 1x30, they moved all the 1x30s from the shelf to the middle of the aisle oh, nice. at my local one. And oh, I don't awesome. know if that's a coincidence, but I know a lot of people, I go, oh, yeah, I went and picked one up, and, yeah. and I hear from a lot of local people, and they're like, oh, it's on sale this week, sweet, you know. And It's neat to see um, those. So I'm hoping. It's neat to see those signs of life, isn't it? Like you say, you work mm-hmm. with this seemingly ghost company, right, that, that doesn't really have much interaction with you. Uh, but then to see that impact... I don't know. I, I've always really thought that's, you know, if I'll post about a tool or something and then the company features, you know, that same tool or like you say, it shows up in, in a different spot in the store. I don't know. It's just that mm-hmm. affirmation that, hey, all right, I, I'm, I'm doing good here. I'm, I'm, I'm making it happen for you're them. bringing the value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're bringing the value. You're, yeah. Yeah, that's, and that's super important to know because uh, it's, a, it's a good feeling to know that you can be creative and, and do this work, yeah. be paid for it and make an economic impact. Um, Real quick, switching gears, I did post a couple of pieces of social media this morning asking the community uh, to reach out to us if they had a question for you, Jeremy. And Mm -hmm. there's some really well thought out questions here. And I was, I'm going to just read a couple of them. And one comes from uh, uh, Jim Landry, who is in Canada. And he wants to know if you still work as a millwright or are you strictly doing homesteading uh, as well as knife making as your primary endeavor? He said, I'm also a millwright here in St. John, New Brunswick, Canada, who enjoys making knives, which I started when COVID put us into lockdown. Mm, yes. Uh, no, I am full-time self-employed, um, and that's been going on since, well, we had uh, oil shut down. When was that? 17, 18? I don't know. I've been working for myself for the past five or six years, I guess. So full-time doing that, knife making, and then um, in the Christmas rush and then the Mother's Day rush, uh, I help my wife with her Etsy business, and uh, she's done very well with that. And then it's knife stuff, and yeah. You know what? I love mill writing. I, I, if somebody would give me a really, like a, just a nine-to-five job doing interesting millwright work, it'd be very tempting right now. Um, but all that work seems to be up north, and it's colder, <laughs> and it's away from my family. And, uh, you know, millwright can, millwriting stuff, the stuff that I have experienced, and it can be very physically demanding, um, the last job I had where I got laid off, I mean, we were working on engines that were the size of minivans wow. and wow. it was like big old cat V10s, V12s. Uh, it was fun work. Like we, we made these frack units and, uh, these high pressure pumps we were pumping like 10,000 PSI water pressure in like four inch pipes. And I'm the wall thickness on these steel pipes was like inch and a half wow. and they're solid stainless steel. And uh, these rigs were on, on semi-chassis, and when this thing was going full bore, it looked like a wet lasagna noodle. Man, like it was, you know, literally, the, the fenders would go up and down. We measured it. One of them was 16 inches at a time. Oh, yeah. You stand Whoa. on this thing, and it's like you're standing on a boat in the ocean. And this is a semi-truck, like a big yeah. semi, you know, wow. an I-beam frame. Oh, it is. it was such cool work, but physically demanding. Yeah. Sure, what a fun sure. job. Yeah. I... I am also looking through these comments, and this comment from Jared Weaver really is interesting to me. So 
because of course you were the guy who got me into knife making he asked what initially got you into knife making um i was a knife always been a knife collector um and just a little thing to that point when i used to go skiing uh, i don't know if you, do you guys ever well brian i think you you guys remember fanny packs? Oh, Anybody ever Lord. wear they're fanny packs? They're coming pack? back. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> they're actually back right now. Oh, yeah. has a, Emily has a fanny pack. <laughs> I got one too. <laughs> but when I was a kid, I'd go skiing, and I would literally take a fanny pack, and me and my cousin would put as many knives in there as we could. And these are cheap knives, <laughs> nice. right? None of them are good. And so I would ski with about twenty-one pocket knives, <laughs> and and that was when I was like eight or nine years old. That never left me. And then as an adult, I'm like, okay, let's get a decent knife. So I'd buy. You know, a decent quality knife. I think Bark River were some of my first decent knives I bought. And once you have a couple of those, you're set, right? Like you really don't need any more. Yeah. And then when you've got four kids that are all in sports and dance and this, and it's like I can't justify like another 300 bucks every month or so to buy a knife. So I thought, what if I can make one? And that's where it all started. Nice. And then the first videos I watched was Trollski. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I'd never had a desire to make knives. I just wanted to have knives. And I mean, with a skill set, I mean, I've always worked with metal uh, my whole life. And so I thought, well, how hard could it be? And uh, it's not that hard. You know, it was definitely a, a learning curve and you make some real terrible knife shaped objects. <laughs> but uh, that's where it all started. Well, that, that's a great that's a great question, because people ask me that all the time. And I'm like, I don't you know, when when I go back to the origins of it, my wife was the one that brought it up to me. She's like, you know, you, you would be really good at this. You do all these other things with your hands. And then nice. I got in sucked into YouTube. That's exactly what it was. And then I found your channel, Jeremy. And I resonate a lot with not only your handiwork and the things that you build and make, but also the, your lifestyle. Like, I really love it. And. I just, it basically, in my life, you've influenced a lot of the decisions I've made. And, you know, even down to every time I pick up my nifty 50, (laughs) you know, uh, (laughs) lens, and I think about what an amazing lens this is. I would have never known it existed, but you did a short video, a vlog about going to pick one up at a store and, you know, and then you showed how it worked and everything else. And I understood that a fixed camera lens like that would make a difference but i didn't realize how much and people comment on that all the time wow your stuff looks so cinematic and it's like that's that 50 millimeter lens i use it whenever i can so i appreciate that so i i've got a i've got a question from mr lando novak a lot of canadians in our feeds today Mm. Uh, mr (laughs) lando novak who is the co-host of forge side chat with justin Mm -hmm. laramieu he says he wants to know how cold it is, which I believe you've already answered, and how yep. you keep your shop warm. And P.S. Tell that hoser to take off. Eh? <laughs> That's right. That's right, eh? <laughs> Beat it, you hose head. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Well, back in the day when I was in my shipping container, and truthfully, I loved working that thing. Um, I would prefer it except for the fact that, you know, in the wintertime and the summertime at the extremes, Spring, fall, it's ideal. And so, I mean, I've got an attached garage and it's insulated and I've just got a forced air heater. So it's, uh, I keep it at 65 degrees all year long and it's great. And you park cars in there too? Is that, do I remember that right? One, one car, yeah. Yeah, one car, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I let my wife put her vehicle in there and then I have the other side. So it's like an oversized two car garage. Yeah. Uh, the beauty with knife making is you don't need a lot of room, no. you know, I mean. You got a little shed. You got all the room. Th- right. <laughs> yeah. I've thought about that a lot because, like, with woodworking, 
you know, there's some pretty yeah. big size machines and you end up needing a, a fixed amount of space. You know, I, I could double my yeah. space and be much more comfortable, but knife making is kind of neat in that regard. Yeah. It's kind of like leather work too. You know, you don't yeah. just don't need a whole lot of space or yeah. tools even at some level. <laughs> but what space you do have, you will cram pack right. Oh God, tools. you could have <laughs> almost guaranteed. You could have an empty Walmart <laughs> and still fill the damn thing. You know, yeah. people say that to me yeah. all the time. Like, oh man, you should close in your your patio. You know, I have a the the shop is a one car, slightly oversized one car garage. But then we built a sort of a lean two style roof out the back, and everybody that comes over yeah. is like, man, you should knock this wall out and expand, and it's. You know, it's like, you know what? I'm I'm comfortable. I don't don't need I've built some pretty yeah. damn big things in that one car garage, you know? And I and I would just fill the mm-hmm. damn thing up anyway. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of filling things up with tools, what uh this is a question from another one of our uh, uh Canadian friends, Mr. Nick Tobin of Pickle Cutters. He's oh, yeah. over in um I think he's in New Brunswick. I uh, over so, on yeah. the east coast here. And he'd like to know what your favorite tool is in your shop. I suppose it's your favorite tool right now, but what's your favorite tool? Oh, man. I think about this all the time, and I get paralyzed every time I do. <laughs> ah, I don't, I don't know. You know what? Like I, Initially, I would say something as simple as my scribe. Like I use my scribe every day for everything, but then I'm like, I can't do much beyond marking. Um, I love 2x72. Um, I know you say it all the time, and I've told people this, and I resonate what you were saying, Brian, is that every shop should have one. Like, I've grown up in fab shops. That's what I've done. You know, I started working full-time when I was 16 years old, and, um, man, I've never been in a a fab shop with a 2x72, but I've been in fab shops that have those big, like, five-horsepower baldors, Mm. you know, a grinder that's got, like, a two-foot diameter grinding wheel that's, like, three inches wide. I mean, that's a big tool. Yeah. You got to you turn it on. It takes forever to come up to speed. And then it's wind down time. It'll go for 20 minutes before it stops. But man, if you just had a two by 72, you know, you're, you've got unlimited grits, your change out. I think they're safer than those big honking grinders. Yep. And the man, attachments. Yeah. I, I, I would definitely say the two by 72. Yeah. I use it for woodworking, like even for doing my wife's Etsy stuff. I use my two by 72 to edge sand these boards. Right. And it is so fast. You know, I can match the perfect grid of sandpaper. I've experimented. Okay, this is the best. Boom, boom. I've got whatever speed I want. And and so much faster than any other woodworking tool to do that specific job on a piece of wood. Twenty. You know, they're so versatile. It's incredible. Yeah, 2022s is going to probably be the year that I finally put one in my shop. I've... I've just, yeah. like you said, so many from so many uses from edge sanding to you name it, shaping the whole nine yards. I... I have seen the light. I'm ready to take the leap. Yeah, right on. <laughs> I've got another question yep. from a Canadian who is uh, living, uh, he would be considered an expat. He lives in um, Vermont right now. So his name is Nate Walpole of Walrus Steel. He says, in your opinion, what is the quintessential Canadian knife? And how are you going to celebrate the Toronto Maple Leafs Cup win this year? <laughs> Okay, I'm not answering his question next. <laughs> uh, okay, you know, because cause I'm a kind Calgary Flames fan, I will let him know that I like I like the jump knife. Uh, it's or the it's called the Canadian jump knife. Okay. Um, 
It's I made one of them a couple years ago, and apparently they're a standard issue for the airborne. I used to, I used to call them the Canadian Air Force, and I got scolded on the comment section. It's the Canadian <laughs> Airborne Division. Oh, I have and one of those knives. Crazy. Okay. Yeah, they've. Kind of got a nice sweeping belly and kind of like a bulbous spine on. They're yep. very unique. They're awesome. Um, yeah, I like them a lot, and so that's what I would consider the quintessential Canadian knife because I like it. That's a great yeah. answer, actually. I, I've never even seen one, so I just googled it. It's it's a yeah. really interesting looking knife. Some of them have gut hooks in yeah. them too. Yeah, which I think you, is interesting. Even Bark River makes one, and they call it the Canadian belt knife. So it's always yeah. it's got this. It's a Canadian knife. I've heard it called a, a boat uh, knife. More than any other Canadian boat knife as well. Yeah. I I yeah. have had one. I don't I don't even remember how I came about owning it, but I I use it for years and never never took the time to research it or look it up, you know. I just always thought, man, this is just a Yeah. It's great for camping, right? It, it it's great for cooking yeah. while you're camping or skinning game or whatever you need to do. It's like really great shape. But I've loved it, and then one day, yeah, and it's very. I looked it up. I'm like, it's oh, very cool. unique. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. And then, uh, yeah, no, I'm gonna celebrate the Flames win the Stanley Cup big time, <laughs> <laughs> big time. Because we uh, we were playing your Panthers last night, weren't we? Uh, yeah, I don't follow yeah. hockey much oh, anymore. Okay. I, yeah, but uh, that's what, the only sport I can actually watch is hockey. Yeah. If I have time, yeah, I watch. I love hockey, and and I grew up in Northern Illinois, where and I had a pond in my backyard, so my dad uh, would would uh, plow the pond when it would right freeze on. over, and I would skate and I and play hockey. We had little PVC you know nets set up and all of that, and I loved playing yeah. hockey. It was fun, and then I played roller hockey when I was down here in Florida. I'm getting too old for that stuff now, but yeah, but yeah, a <laughs> lot lot of good times uh, on the skates. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we have another question coming in from uh, Down Under. Uh, Rusendahl works. Chris Rusendahl. He says, Jeremy has been years in advance on his YouTube channel. Almost every project lately I look up on YouTube, there's a video three to four years old that he has already been there and done that and bought the T-shirt. What does the future hold for Jeremy? I think he is ready for a slip joint folding knife. Ooh, <laughs> challenge. That's a challenge. Yeah. I... I, I think they're very interesting. Um, I get asked a lot to build like folding knives. Mm, I, I it, It's one of these things and I can't really explain it. I love folding knives. I love slip joint knives. Like they fascinate me, but to learn to make it doesn't. Hmm. It's, it's very weird. Like interesting. I would rather like, like if I'm going to put time and say if I, I'm like, okay, this year I want to get good at something. I want to progress. It's not even anywhere on my radar to do anything folding related. I want to grind thinner knives. Like I want to make thinner oh, kitchen nice. knives. That's if, if I could. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I know I feel bad because everybody wants them, and I'm like, I. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I wish I even knew other YouTube channels that I could be like, hey, you know what? This guy loves making folding knives. He's got some great content. Go check it out. But that's not me. Um, and even I get asked a lot with the Damascus that I received from Alex Steele. Oh, yeah. Um, when am <laughs> I, I going to bring that up a little bit later? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll bring it up right now. Um, so I've tried making that knife numerous times and it's failed every time. And I've said it before, like, uh, I think I mentioned on one other, on the Forge Side Chats podcast. Um, this knife that I'm making with this steel for Alec is for me, right? Like it's, to me, it's a, it's a precious project if that doesn't sound too woo woo, but I'm not going to rush it. I'm not for the sake of just, Oh, I got to get a video out. I want to make sure that when I execute that, it is going to be exactly how I want it. And then it's going to be mine forever. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm kind of at. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I, I'm with you on the folding knives. There, I hear people talk about it, like Craig on <clears throat> on uh, Knife Talk. He he got really sucked into the concept of making a folding knife, and yeah. people do this. They get they get drawn in by it. And I am with you. I can't. I, I'm just like I fixed blade for me all the way. I'd yeah. I'd rather just work on that and also perfect my my flat grinds and thin grinds for culinary mm-hmm. knives because they're very difficult. That is one of the most difficult grinds that I, I work on constantly. So, and now I'm pursuing hollow grinds as well, which is mm-hmm. also very difficult, but, uh, flat grinds are a different story for me. So. Yeah. And just real quickly, like from a, a practical standpoint, I always, if I'm going to bother making something, I would like it to generally be better than what's readily purchased. And once you start getting yeah. decent at grinding kitchen knives, I mean, unless you're going and, and like seeking out high quality retailers, the kitchen knives that, that most guys on YouTube make are much better than anything you go buy in store, right? right? So, so to me, that satisfies. Like, okay, I'm building something better. But, I mean, I've got some some uh, bench-made folding knives, and I, I don't know if I could ever make a better knife than those. So it's like, why, why bother? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I'm going to work, and it's going to be inferior to what I already own. So I don't know. Just from that's a practical a standpoint, point. that's one of the reasons I'm not interested. But I'm with you. Mm. I'm with you. I love my uh, – I have a um, – uh, uh, an easy out made by Gerber that I've yeah. had for 20 years yeah. and I broke the friggin' tip off of it. Like, oh. I, I don't know what I did. I can't even remember how I did it. So I'm standing there and I'm looking at this and I've got, um, memories of me as a kid, you know, wandering around with this thing. Cause it's got the little cool little clip on it. And that was before, you know, knife makers were putting pocket that pocket clip. clip. Yeah. That was like the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started thinking about all the things I've done with that blade and how sharp it is still. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, really sharp. 
And then um, I'm staring at it and I'm going, you know what? I'm going to make a YouTube video about reprofiling this and possibly recreating nice. the blade itself because I could do that now. I have the tooling to do that. So um, hopefully at some point I'll, I'll end up doing it. It's that. funny you mentioned so cool. uh, snapping the tip off. I I got a – when I was – I think I – Where where are you going yeah, with right, this, by the way? Just <laughs> break it off and uh, you'll be okay. Trust me. Oh no! I got a. I got a. <laughs> Just uh, literally tip. that cold, beer. right? <laughs> <laughs> Just the tip broken off. <laughs> I think it was like must have been when I was in college. My my dad worked for um, a ceramics coating company, Coors. I think it was called Coors Ceramics, and then they they went on to um, become Sarah Hone, or they were part of the beginnings of the ceramic coating industry, which was really big in sort of industrial applications and stuff like that. They would coat bearings with this ceramic, you know, basically to reduce friction and all that stuff. But um, he ended up working with Boker, uh, who makes ceramic mm. knives. And I, I got this awesome ceramic Boker knife. And within like two days snap the damn tip right off of the freaking thing <laughs> i was yeah. so pissed those knives are incredible but man are they brittle just yeah brittle. Yep. but it's still to this day razor sharp but just yeah they're incredible the <laughs> yeah oh geez rd101010 oh. comments <laughs> Wait, what was that name one more time? <laughs> RD1010. It's binary for something, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, sure. It says, uh, your your knife fit, uh, Jeremy, your knife fit and finish is top notch. How do you go about fitting the handle to your knives? Do you build your handles to a template before assembling? Oh, and Tool Time Tuesday is fantastic. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing and have a great time. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. Um, you know, I don't, I don't use templates. Um most everything, like if I'm, I think I do it like everybody else. I just, uh, generally I'll use pins and epoxy and, you know, kind of leave my, my wood scales a little bit proud of the tang. And then once everything's cured up, I'll flatten the edges of them then bring the profile to match the tang. If it's a full tang handle. Um, and then if it's a bolt on, that's even easier because you can just bolt it on and start shaping without having to wait for the epoxy to dry. But I, I think... <clears throat> I think fit and finish is all about patience. You know, like, I I don't know if it's a skill. I think it's a time thing. I think anybody, if they're, if they're willing just to slow down and just, okay, let, let's spend a little bit more time on this, work a little slower, you know, maybe add a few more grit progressions instead of just jumping from a rough grit to the finishing grit. I, I think that all plays into it, right? It, it's not... I mean, if you're doing certain freehand things, there's art like TIG welding. I'm trying to learn how to TIG weld. That is uh, a finesse thing, right? That's something you need to learn, and that's a skill. Yeah. But to finish a knife properly is a time. I always consider it, it's just a time thing. It's not necessarily a skill thing. Seems like I agree. I think if you if you can sit with something and look at it long enough, and just um, I learned this when I was showing my wife how to shape handles for knives because I'm a I'm the, I've always been the kind of guy that goes. Uh, you need to do that faster. How can I do this faster, more efficiently? I need to bring more value to this process. She does not. She's a true artist. She, what, I handed her a knife. I had just the wood blocks glued to it. 
And I said, make whatever you want. You know, here's the grinder. Here's how it works. Turn it on, hand her a belt, you know, did the whole thing. She was over there for, you know, two, three hours, you know, just kind of learning the process of shaping a handle. She walked away with this beautiful, I mean, just like she'd been doing it for 20 years, but Mm -hmm. she took so much time to make it right that I would never take. I'm super impatient. I do this with my sharpening as well. I'm just like, that knife is sharp enough, you know, like, and I'll put it down. And so that's that time. That's a really great piece of information because I think too many of us are rushing through these processes and that is absolutely suicide, you know, when it comes yeah. to certain steps. Yeah. Folks so. rush through grip progressions and, you know, all that stuff. And it, it, it all adds up in the end. It's kind of like finishing a wood project, right? Putting finish on is so much prep work that just, freaking takes time and when you're sitting there hand sanding thinking about the thousand other things that you could or should be doing you know you got to fight that urge and just stay with it it seems Mm -hmm. it's also kind of a safety thing because like you know if you're taking your time you're being more intentional you're thinking about what you're doing more the only two times i've ever had a knife catch into the belt and throw it at me or when I was either rushing or not paying attention. So, like, oh. you know, the, the tendency to, you know, hey, I only have this much time and I've got to get, get this much work done, like, that pushed me into, you know, trying to rush through and get it done quicker. Right. And that's when mistakes happen. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Bill Milios says, tell him he's a cool dude. I love his channel. Direct, no nonsense, and gets to the point without a lot of self aggrandizing aggrandizing or excessive repetition i also appreciate that he shows up shows his shop tips and not just his products so that's like a little shout out for you right on thank you i also got just about that exact same comment from matt gentry of gentry knives read it because i love him if it comes up on the podcast, we love to give Jeremy a huge thank you um he's the reason i'm a full-time knife maker um i now enjoy um going to work every day yeah, that's pretty much it. Interesting. So he 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 gives Jeremy the credit to becoming a full time knife maker. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Wow, that, that's weird. That's huge. <laughs> he also dude. said right below it. You know, I'm sure a bunch of people said the same thing, but yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's awesome. Yeah. Mark yeah, Vanderwerf actually built your version of the log splitter press. Okay. And he's he's a patron of ours and he's in the UK. He says, Let him know that I use parts of his log splitter press video to make my own. Although I made mine work vertically yeah. and less movable. He he you wanted to be able to turn it back into a log splitter, I think. And yeah. he, he you know, he didn't, so he just kinda built that. So Yeah. No, I got a lot of comments on that. The other thing is the the particular model that I have, it has the pump and like the reservoir is all one aluminum casting and if i do it vertical it'll cavitate the pump oh, oh yeah. i see so there's no I actual see. a lot of them have a small reservoir with little hoses you can manipulate this is just sure. one solid casting so i had to answer that question so many times like why don't you put it vertical like, <laughs> and same thing with my my valving um basically the way that's designed is that if the motor isn't running uh the pump doesn't run oh, yeah. like there's no separate in there's no flow like the pump's on it's flowing out the the motor's turned off it's flowing back in Okay. So a lot of a lot of people are like just leave the motor running and just use the lever and that it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it makes sense. So how is that thing holding up and how much do you find yourself using it? I haven't used it much at all. I've I've been uh 
I fiddled with it for like, I don't know, a couple hours after I made the video. Um, but then we were busy with the Christmas rush, and right now it's too cold to go out there. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm going to modify my dies a little bit. Um, what I want to do is actually build some dies that have little steps, you know, so that I can't squish too tight. Because that's, I think, the problem I have right now is that I can hold that thing down, and I'm relying on just stopping at exactly the right second, you know, if I'm drawing out material. So I want to make some interchangeable, basically it'd be like a little piece of key stock on either side of the dies. So it's like, okay, I put a three eighths in there and then the closest those dies can get is three eighths of an inch. Mm, right. And yeah. then step it down. That way it can really control my progression, have nice, even, even action while I'm drawing it out. Yeah. I've seen that made many times. It's, and it's one of the ones that I want to build too. I, I just recently got a press and yes. so I'm, I'm playing with that thing like crazy and you're I'm right on, very quickly. Oh, dude. Clark Taplin makes an amazing machine, and I was going to build one myself. I was going to go down the road of you know the same process that I did with the Revolution Grinder, yeah, and build one and sell plans and do all that. Well, the Grinder project got so busy for me, and I'm a big fan of making hay while the sun is shining mm-hmm. and not get distracted by other shiny things. Um, you know, Clark reached out to me and he was saying, you know, hey, you know, if you ever want to get one of my presses, let me know. And then one of the members of our community who lives in Florida was going up there anyway to go do some four wheeling and hang out in Tennessee and also pick up his press from Clark. So it just became this like perfect opportunity to have him build me one. And, and, um, and then Justin brought it to me. So I didn't really even have to do anything to wow. work for it, to get it. That's it just like handed it to me. It was amazing. Sweet set right on. It's ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. So I, I love having a press and, and I made my first piece of Damascus, after my second my first attempt was a failure because i just didn't have it hot enough Mm -hmm. and then i did a a canister damascus and that was a success so i learned the temperatures that i needed you know the color temperatures of the forge that i needed to to actually forge weld something which i'd never done before and then it was then of course like when now all those videos i watched all all over on youtube of these guys doing this work i started to realize this is a another complete hole that you can get into yeah. Oh, yeah. where you get sucked in. So now I'm watching Matt Stagmer and Chris Cash and Ilya um, doing their thing over at That Works and watching like watching their backlog of them building all these fantastic pieces from these video games, you know, that they do. And I'm just going, I'm getting sucked into this. And it, and then, it, of course, YouTube, the, the algorithm is now feeding all <laughs> yep. of these different, yeah. you know, yeah. hey, if you like that, you should watch this. And some of these videos are like eight, ten years old. Yeah. And these guys wow. doing this amazing pattern welding. So yeah. um, and of course, Dennis Terrell and all the guy, all the new up and comers, the guys that are doing it um, now who are bringing a whole new different level. Uh, to the game mm-hmm. uh, you, you know one of the things uh, that Brian and I got to be to be a part of this year was the the challenges that we're doing on YouTube have you ever thought about becoming a part of those like doing like the like we did the Bowie challenge and I did the actually the first one which was the Nakiri challenge uh, with Aaron Lee and you know a bunch of guys who are like up-and-comer YouTubers mm-hmm. are you interested in doing anything like that no ever not yet. I no, figured you weren't. I've been asked for every one of them, including the just the new one. I don't know if they've mentioned it. They asked was it Monday, I think. The dagger. Yeah, yeah dagger. dagger. And um I I don't know. It's I'm uber competitive. Like really. 
And <laughs> I don't know. It's a it's a problem I have because I pass this on to my kids. <laughs> now my boys are like, oh my, they're so so obnoxious. I mean, I raised them saying, you know, second place, the first loser, go get them, guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. And it's terrible. I mean, I'm not saying like not quite to that point, but you know, I can play games. But if if I hear it's a competition, I'm like, okay, it's on. Like, it's, <laughs> oh, you get sucked. Oh, into it. Uh, yeah. And, to the point where yeah, I don't enjoy I it, and I'm like, I I, I like knife making. Um, if it was like making a whole bunch of knives and then auctioning them off for charity, I'd be in. But when I go, I'm going to do something and then pit it up against someone else's judgment, yeah, I always think, you know what? I, I don't want anybody. I get enough judgment in the comments section, <laughs> you know, on on anything. I, I don't need people telling me what they think. I really don't. Like, just I'm well, with you. I'm I'm hard on myself, and I can make my own decisions. Yeah. You know, whether my work's good or not. That's a I good idea, though. Is um for those challenges would be you know to have an auction afterwards or something i don't i don't know that i've seen that done yet um i don't know maybe i agree i i would i would definitely put my knife up for for auction the, yeah. the i think the the part of the challenge that i like the most is that it brings smaller channels up right. so you know you got guys like me where i'm in the middle somewhere mm-hmm. and then you've yep. got guys like Brian Cohn who are just starting out and then you've got Blackbeard projects with like 2 million subscribers and then yeah. we're all sharing mm-hmm. the same space for a little bit yeah, and being I mean, able to communicate together. I mean, when I started the challenge, I was at a little bit less than 700 subscribers and now I'm at 16 and I'm about to do the whole monetization thing. So right yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting and it's cool to, uh, you know, be able to go up against people that like you watched and like, you know, the whole thing, but I, I mean, I, I I know it's called the challenge, but it's not really like we're not competitive with each other. I know that there is a voting system at the end, I don't but know, it's it sounds really like the thing Jeremy's that I wants to kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. If, if, if I lose, but I'm going to delete. That is yeah. <laughs> right. No, if I lose, I'm going to delete my entire YouTube video. channel. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. It's over. You'll and never hear me going to implode. Yeah. What happened to that guy? That Jeremy from Simple Little Life. What? Well, he yeah. lost the challenge yeah. and then he imploded. And now he's got a beard that's a mile long. He lives in a tree somewhere. No, it's a cave. It's too cold to live in a tree. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Like I'm with fun. you on the it's challenge cool. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just probably. It, it, I like the fault, concept. Right? Yeah, me too. I hey no, and I appreciate you saying something because I I had a feeling that that was the reason because yeah. not only are you a busy guy. But I had a feeling that the reason you didn't jump in was because you would take it too seriously. And it, 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 you, and you know yourself. Being self-aware is kind of a, a rarity nowadays in people. And you just say, like, hey, I just can't. I'm not, I'm not that type of person. That uh, See, me, I'm not competitive when it comes to those kinds of things. I'm really uber competitive in business. Like, mm-hmm. I want to succeed in business. I want to bring myself up. I want to, you know, I want to crush my competition. The, the other part of that though, is that I want to see my competition succeed also. So I don't mm-hmm. feel like it's my position. And I see some of these business people, which I think is a flaw in business, putting their competitors work down. You should yeah. lift yourself mm-hmm. up and ignore your competition. And if anything, take, tips from what they're doing if you can and you know whatever but you know all these people focusing on what other people are doing and then calling them out on it and creating this stupid bullshit drama that doesn't even really need to exist I feel like that to me is a misstep 
in these types of challenges, it could be construed where you're you're competing against somebody else for a vote of public opinion. Yeah. And and believe me when I tell you that you will get so many different because people take this stuff so seriously. They go and they'll watch all 20 videos and they'll write long commentary about really? the differences between. Yes. Wow. And I did not realize that it would even kind of get to that level, even on the first challenge. Yeah. It yeah. was it from a sociological standpoint, it was fascinating because I took it somewhat seriously. I made a knife and I did my thing and I showed whatever, but I never had a thought that I would even get in the top five. And I did. And it was like, whoa, I'm in the top five. Holy <laughs> shit. And then, you know, the second round I got pummeled, you know, but it was it was like. I don't really care. You know, like to me, I was just like, whatever. It's, it's all, uh, what is it? It's objective, not su- or subjective, not objective. So yeah. I don't know. I, I feel very, um, I feel like it's a good way to connect with others in, yeah. in the, in the community, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I definitely enjoy the Slack channel, especially lately. It's been very active where like we're talking back and forth, giving tips and tricks and, you know, kudos on this, huh. you know, Hey, try this the next time. I've, I've often thought that, yeah. um, I mean, I've used Slack for years through uh work you know professional work and it, slack is such a great tool uh, but i've often thought even it might be neat to have a similar thing for this show even you know just but i struggle with that because it's um you know we're all pretty wide open you can reach out to the three of us we'll answer any question or whatever but it might be something to explore in the future. It would be a little work for it uh, group chat that folks could be a part of. Uh, well, shoot, speaking of the work for it, do we want to jump into the WFI projects? Yeah. Sure, Let's sure. And I definitely should have had it put up on my screen before I even started. And I'm getting there. <laughs> All right. So the first one I'm going to read out is uh, Ben's Bites. Of course, we always feature him and uh, fantastic uh, knife maker. He, he specifically does handles more often than not, but he has this 12 inch slicer that he's been working on and just finished out. I don't know if you guys can see this, but this thing is absolutely gorgeous. This thing is huge. I, I don't think I've, yeah. I've never made anything nearly that large and, I almost wonder if this could be classified as a short sword. Ooh, a short sword. I didn't know that was a thing. That sounds that sounds incredible. <laughs> Let me see. I, I don't see it yet. I'm still pulling it up. Hashtag WFI projects. Let's get there. There's two thousand and some posts on that thing these days. That's That's crazy. It's growing and growing and growing, yeah. Oh, in the desktop browser, you yeah, it's twenty twenty one twenty seven right now two two thousand twenty one hundred. So there's there's quite a few. Uh, Jeremy, do you ever uh, you ever find yourself getting sucked in? I know social media and Instagram. Yeah, you post you know on there regularly, but uh, do you find yourself getting sucked into things and looking at other projects and looking for inspiration? Yeah, yeah, definitely do. Um, probably more so with bicycles. Like I've got a whole separate Instagram account that I'm like, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's not as creative. And, uh, but I do that. Like I've got a folder, uh, you know, you can save posts on Instagram and I've just got one called knife inspiration. And, you know, you'll see like, there'll just be something that's like a shape that's like, oh, there's something about that, that that catches my eye. And, 
And then you just, you know, every now and then if I'm like at a loss for what to make or I, I want to try something new, sometimes I'll just thumb through that folder. Huh. And then I'll be yeah. like, oh, we could combine this handle with this blade shape, and, and that'll give me a basis to start drawing from. I save all this shit, and then I never go back to it. <laughs> yeah. I always forget yeah. to go back to my save posts. <laughs> you know the worst? I started saving food recipes Yeah, because I love food. And, I mean, th- th- some of these ones are like, especially as this one like Insta cheese or something, like, it's right. all like lasagna with like four pounds of cheese oh in it. God. And then all they do is recommend this stuff, and I'm noticing that it's affecting my diet. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I'm on Instagram, it's like nine o'clock and I've just finished breakfast. I'm like, I'm so hungry right now. I want lasagna. And so I'm trying to block all these things now. It's is insane. Instagram making you fat? <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> <Right>. so. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I found, I, I, somehow I got sucked into, um, these pictures of big juicy burgers yeah. with like the cheese <laughs> melting down you know these guys they they'll, they must take like 20 minutes to set this all up to take each yeah. photo and then there's there's just dedicated instagram channels that all they do is take pictures of burgers from other <laughs> accounts and dump them into the same account yeah. and so i started liking them and just like Jeremy, it's like, I'm 20 pounds heavier now. All of a sudden, I'm eating burgers every day. Juicy burgers. You're squeezing Juicy all the cheese burgers. out. Oh, oh man. man. Good medium rare burger. That's Come awesome. on, man. What a life, hey? What a great life. Oh. I agree. I mean, we're living in some amazing yeah. times right yeah. now. I mean, other than sure. the, all the other bullshit going on in the world, I yeah. feel like, you know, we're, we do live in a time where pretty much anything information-wise is available to us. Yep via the internet and on our, and our fingertips. And then also being able to watch people on YouTube, like you, Jeremy, doing the work you're doing, sharing your life and inspiring and creating economies around, you know, you would be probably one of the people I would say who is responsible for creating a, a maker economy. And, and I, you know, there's a handful of people that started this, you know, years ago that were doing this work and now are kind of watching it all unfold. Like they were part of the beginning, the genesis of it. And then now, you know, it's like this entire economy is based around, around making things where, you know, in North America, you said this in one of your last YouTube videos. And I resonated with this is we have not been, we, we spent a ton of time in the eighties, the seventies and the eighties migrating our manufacturing away from North America. Mm-hmm. And now what we're seeing is that's a huge problem because mm-hmm. we can't get things anymore. We were having a really hard time. And I think there's a huge wake up call with all these people, not only from the standpoint of people losing their jobs, but people not being able to supply chain things and mm-hmm. find things that they need. And then like me, for instance, with my grinder kit, yeah. I couldn't get the knobs anymore. So what did I do? Yeah. I mm-hmm. made my own knobs and yeah. now I make knobs and now I do that. And it's, it, and the knobs are better. Yeah. So, you know, hey, that forced us to do th- these things and we're bringing manufacturing back to North America. And mm-hmm. I think that is this is just the beginning of what we're going to see for the next hopefully hundreds of years, you know, mm-hmm. that we're setting the stage again so that we can evenly divide up that manufacturing section of the of the human race. I've mm-hmm. got a video. And you know, what? Oh, go ahead, Jeremy. I was just, just going to say, I, th- I think one of the beauty about YouTube is that we can show that this is viable. Like 
working with your hands is a good way to make a living and you can make a good living. Yeah. Whereas before, I think the education system, it, it teaches kids that, okay, you get a white collar job, you know, like we're, you don't want to work in a factory. We're sending all the factories away to overseas places. We're going to be the think tank and we're just going to engineer and, and come up with ideas. We don't want to build stuff. Right. And, you know, we've got this huge platform, these social medias that, that are uncontrolled generally, uh, and they're just left to the individuals. And you look at guys like Jimmy Darista, who, you know, he's freaking working with Walmart now. Right. And he can show kids. And, and I mean, that's the younger people, the, the people that want to be inspired. Like, hey, you know what? I get my hands dirty. I use machinery. And then I came up with a product and I made a whole bunch of them. You with your grinders, Brian. And people see this and like, wow, manufacturing is actually a good way to make a living. Yep. And you're not beholden to anybody else's whim. It's, you know, like I worked really hard for Sangel. And then, you know, when I started the company, we had 180 employees and there's five rounds of layoffs and I was let go in the fifth round. And when I got laid off, there's 18 of us. And then they laid off three more. And that's the group that I went out with. And I remember that's the point, And that's kind of when I started this channel, Simple Life. I said, I will never, ever put my livelihood in the hands of another person again. Because it doesn't matter how hard I worked, how, how good of a job I did, I can't control the price of oil, right? I can't control right. this and that. From now on, everything is going to be in my own hands. And I, I think that's, you know, with the, the pandemic started and we can't get stuff and shipping's closed and stuff, people are like, wow, we, we don't have any control. <clears throat> no. And so manufacturing locally brings the control back. And, and it's, I think it's exciting, you know? People say it yeah. not a, only brings the control back, it brings back the idea that... Um, it's it's an important thing to have purpose with your life. Mm-hmm. I think when I was yes. working in an office and I was doing the work that I was doing, I didn't feel like I had much purpose. I was a warm body in a chair. I you know, I was creating something that was digital or information based. Mm-hmm. And now I feel much more purpose driven. You know, 100%. I have an absolute I have control over everything I'm doing every single day. So if I want to screw around and not do anything today, I just won't make any money. And that will just be my, that's my choice. Yeah. And so when you hand that, and I think there's a whole section of people out there that need to have direction. They need to work for someone else. They need to have that, you know, daily schedule. But there's a whole bunch of crews of guys like us that go, no way. I would rather work 80 hours a week for myself than 40 hours a week for someone yeah. else because mm-hmm. I have that purpose. I go to bed every night. I feel very uh, good about what I'm doing and I'm leaving something behind and I'm, I'm doing the work that I love. So I think that's super important. When we took manufacturing away, I think that a lot of that feeling went with it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I grew up in a manufacturing town that was filled with these huge buildings that had nothing in them or they were just filled with junk. Because manufacturing literally got up, was put on a container ship, and shipped out of there. And then, of course, the bad element comes in. All these problems arise. 18% unemployment, drug addiction, uh, crime, all of these things because people had way too much freaking time on their hands and Mm -hmm. no purpose. So I think it's it's a great thing. And it's it's awesome, like you said earlier, to see – I don't (laughs) – manufacturing – for, or I guess the way manufacturing used to be is dead. But I think more importantly today, it's changed, right? Um, we, we saw during the pandemic uh, shortages of masks and face shields and things, right? The maker economy sprung to action 
and how many thousands of people started 3D printing face shields and to, you know to the point where you literally could not order clear transparency films you couldn't order elastic bungee straps you know anywhere on the internet because that this this maker economy sprang to life and manufactured you know enough or a significant number of face shields and other things to meet the demand. You know, it's, it's changing. Mm -hmm. It's, I, um, recently had a, a videographer come to my shop, I guess it was several months ago, uh, for a, for a tool company to do a little profile. And that was one of the things that I brought up when he and I were talking, you know, and I, I said, I mean, Brian house, you're, you're a perfect example of this, right? A full sized industrial level machine is being, you know, developed, planned, built, sold, and manufactured in, you know, what amounts to a large garage, basically, <laughs> you know, um, we've, we've mm -hmm. taken, we've taken the bull by the horns and I think it's coming back. It'll probably never be the same as it used to be, right? I don't think we'll ever be the, you know, North America will never probably be the manufacturing powerhouse that it used to be, but I, th I think folks are, would be mistaken if they discounted the maker world or the maker community or whatever you want to call it. You know, d d don't mistake them for, for folks who aren't going to change the future. <laughs> it's, it's happening right now, mm. and it's so cool to, to see it happen and to encourage it and, and to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I always think of it as micro-manufacturing, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. Hey, um, do we want to yeah. jump into this uh, WFI projects there, Pete Cone? <laughs> yeah, we uh, we definitely started out we with stepped pens, over there a little bit. Kind of crept away. That's totally fine, though. That's yeah, totally that's fine. Somebody want to grab one? Yeah, Josh. I was. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Josh Endes with the skull well, I was caught my eye. <laughs> He's got. Yeah, what kind of skull is that? I, I can't tell. It looks. Almost like a canine. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking coyote, but I'm not sure. But there's a 1095 high carbon steel with a dark etch and stone wash. Multi piece handle is ironwood, green dyed maple with black true stone inlay. And as always, a custom made kydex sheath. Very cool. Man, From that, a place that that's actually. Clip. Holy cow. Yeah, it's beautiful, and he's actually in Alaska, oh, cool. so he's even further north than Jeremy is. But yeah, uh, there's some amazing stuff coming out of Alaska. It, it's really inspiring to see. Yeah. It's a cool place. Oh yeah, I'm. I've been looking at Fantail Outfitters doing the uh, the file work on the spines, and in particular, I, that draws me in because I'm going to be doing some of that filing work uh, on this Damascus piece that I've got uh, on my bench. So that's a beautiful piece. I have one here, Mark One Eighteen Blades. He's uh he's showing off the glass platen they just started um, selling. Now I actually bought a glass platen a little while ago, but I've never put it together and used it. Have anybody? I mean, Jeremy, have you ever you know used a glass platen in the past, and do you find it worth it? Oh, hundred percent. Hmm. Um, I actually have a video on installing it somewhere on my channel. Um, oh man, they're incredible. So what I used was just, oh shoot, what's that two part, um, it's old, old, like liquid metal stuff. What do they call that? Oh, JB Weld? JB Weld? 
JB Weld. Yeah. That's what I was recommended by a lot of folks. And because you don't want to hold it like when you're adhering it to the steel, you don't want a lot of compression, right? Because that once it cures, you don't want it to put any strain on the glass. Okay. So I put, I mixed up the JB Weld, coated um, the metal that I was going to put the glass onto, set it on there. You want to kind of smear it around, move it around, make sure you get any bubbles out. And then just take some masking tape and tape it until it cures. That way you're not like huh. forcing it with clamps or any, you know, and then when you take those <laughs> off, it's going to try and come back. So yeah. I did that and it worked great for like, I probably had it for two years on. And then I was, I was doing some really aggressive grinding, not knife making related. Uh, the piece I was grinding was about 70 pounds <laughs> and I brought oh, it up geez. to it and I just, oh, I just wow. jammed it right into the belt and just shattered it. So um, okay. I've actually found a place locally that I can get some, but it is worth it a hundred percent. Like even if you have a brand new metal platen and you grind on it and then you compare that to glass, the glass seems flatter. And I, I don't have any yeah. way to verify that, like precision measurements, but it just feels incredible. Like it's Wow, yeah. that's that's interesting because I've I bought this glass platen better better part of at least eight months ago. Hmm. And it, it, I just still have it in the box. I've just never brought it out. I have no idea why. I just sat it on the shelf and forgot that it's there, I guess. But it makes sense. Yeah. I've I, also heard that uh, there's heat dissipation too, right? The, is there a is there an advantage to temperatures as I've well? Heard, I've heard that and I did I did notice it like it did seem to stay a little cooler if you're grinding for quite a while. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Man, a, a glass platen and the uh, misting system that Brian and I both use, I mean, I feel like <laughs> you should never have to pull away at that yeah. point. Yeah. That's what hey, she I said. got a question for you guys on on the misting. <laughs> um, <laughs> do, do you guys ever find that, so, so I, I had a misting system. I probably tried it like a year ago, but I found that my belts loaded up. Do you guys ever find that, or is it maybe I'm using the wrong type of belt? Um, Honestly, I don't. I don't notice any load up. I do use a rubber belt cleaner on yeah, the regular. Me too. Me too. So, and I I just do that almost as a when I'm winding down whatever I'm working on. I just clean my belt before I take it off the machine. Oh, okay. And that seems to really help. Um, but I haven't noticed it. Maybe if I was working with something really soft like brass for instance mm-hmm. then yes mm-hmm. i would it it just anything like aluminum it would all just get sucked up into it so but that would happen anyway i think well regardless. what i found is when i'm working with high carbon steel of course it it um like flash rust and i find that that flash rust definitely you know loads down a little bit more on the belts oh okay um basically what i've come down to is i've i pretty much have that little you know rubber cleaner right next to you know where i'm grinding and it seems like every five minutes, almost every time I pull away, I use that rubber cleaner real quick just to, you know, touch it up. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to try that again because I, I I put it on there and I was using it for about half an hour and I just, I was using uh, like a really coarse 36 grit ceramic and I find I would grind like I'd do one pass on a blade and it would just load. Wow. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Huh. It was weird. Interesting. I'll See, I actually have to buy a new one because I was using it and... I left it full of water and it froze. So. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Split on So I have to pick another one out. But. Yeah. Right on. Have I... you seen Nuke Burt? This guy on, uh, he's, he doesn't, his Bruce Carlson is his name, and he tagged WFI Projects. And this is a different type of project, but he made a, <clears throat> excuse me, he made a, um, it looks like a wooden crane 
So the his Instagram handle is Nukebert. N-U-K-E-B-E-R-T. He's in Denmark, Wisconsin. And he says he has 925 hours in on this project. Whoa. Whoa. And it's a uh, tower crane. And it's, it's a, from a book that he read. And I, fi- I find this fascinating <laughs> nice. for, for because we see a lot of knives in our feet. Yeah. You know, we see a lot of things that are similar. This you don't see. No. This is an amazing piece. And he tagged WFI Project, so I think he, he, he follows the podcast. Nice. So very interesting. That's cool. Speaking yeah. of not knives, uh, Espoke Studio has a really cool-looking walnut desk. Really elegant legs, real slim, almost looks shaker style in a way, but really nice looking work there by East Yeah, that's Spoke cool. I like that. Studio. So I've got one here. Um, this, I'm, I'm interested in spoons, like making spoons. I'm, it's one thing that just fascinates me. And so I was looking under this WFI projects and I, it's in the top, I think. Yep. Yes. You see that one there from yeah. CAO Jeanette? Yeah. So she's from, Jeanette. Al- it's a from Alberta, Canada. Expert. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then I'm clicking and then she follows me. So I'm going to follow her back. Yeah. That's the cool thing go. about, um, you know, the social media. Because you put stuff out there and it's like, okay, on, on YouTube, people watch it. I never assume locals do. But then you can kind yeah. of bring stuff over to Instagram where it's a little bit easier to, to communicate. And all of a sudden I find like... Man, there's so many people right around me that have yeah, shops, yes. and I'm like, this is cool. And now you, you put something out virtually, and now I'm getting benefits in real life. Like, I'm yeah. going to other people's houses, and we're getting, I'm like, would have never happened without the old interweb. Right. Yeah. Pretty, dig pretty dig cool. into Kawa Jeanette's feed. She's a patron of ours, yeah. and oh, okay. she, is, um, she is an amazing artist. In fact, some of my Christmas gifts this year came from her. I ordered really? from her because that is so cool. she, she's not only doing the spoon carving, but she's doing um, blacksmithing as well. Yeah. So she's yeah. all awesome kinds of interesting work. projects, and she does a fantastic, and anybody looking at her feed, take note of, she takes little uh, pine bows and boughs and just mm. puts them down on the table and sets up her lighting. And, you know, these little details matter. Yes. Trust me on this. I, I, I post a lot to social media and I see if I take time and set up a shot, guaranteed that's going to get seen by more people and my work will be appreciated by more. So uh, she does a great job of that. And she's just a super sweet human being as well. So, yeah, yeah super that cool is stuff. so cool. Well, I'm stoked, work. stoked to it find this. It is funny, though, like you say, Jeremy, yeah. some, you know, some folks that I interact with and, and, and work with in Boise are very intentional about using their social media for local business, right? And their whole feed mm. is geared around trying to sell people in Boise furniture. And it's just such a different mm-hmm. perspective, I guess. I don't know. I my audience is pretty diverse, you know, sort of international, yeah. but it it's cool that, you know, for folks that are looking to build business locally, it's totally a viable tool for that as well. You know, it's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Opens the door. Yeah. And then where if, yeah. And if you like, I don't have a knife market locally. Yeah. Um, I sell very few knives, like even within Alberta, very few within Canada. And it's like, that's not where my market is, you know, right. um, yeah. that's the power about it. You can use it. If you want it local, or if you don't, you know. Yep. It's pretty cool. On the internet. 
I, I just have to shout out the Art of Craftsmanship guys because oh, yeah. I sent them a grinder um, uh, a little while, while back. And uh, I, I spent a lot of time on this grinder because Dustin and Devin uh, have created an, an amazing channel where they make and refurbish things and do all kinds of things. And, and I love their work so much. I just absolutely, every video that comes out, I watch it. It's just one of those channels that I resonate with. And so I messaged them originally when I was first hand making these grinders and I sent them my gen one and they made a video about the gen four that I just sent them and they put the two side by side. And it's just like, um, you know, kind of a, a polished version of the grinder. And then like it's, it's, it's a, you could definitely see the gen, the difference, you know, between That's the cool. two machines. And, uh, it's a great 16 minute watch. So go out and find the art of craftsmanship. Uh, they are also patrons of ours and support it, us on Patreon. It kind of reminds me like every single year I remake the exact same knife just so that I have like a year by year update. And That's it's so cool. fun to like put next, right next to, you know, your super, your first ultra ugly very rough version next to like the high polish you do now well now the art of craftsmanship has them both and <laughs> i'm sure that's very interesting for you man yeah it yeah. is interesting to see the progression to see that um and since we're talking about patrons real quick i want to uh, just shout out our patrons real fast mark vanderwerf of 118 blades justin miller florida man forge devin and dustin o'hara of the art of craftsmanship noah bloomberg of entiot river forge Michael Nye, Jamie Blow, Jamie the Squid, Eric, Bob Ryan. Eric is, uh, I got to click on this because he's changed his branding. Eric is Overall Maker Works on Instagram. Bob Ryan, Brigham Kendall, Scott Wilkerson, Menster Hill Forged, Keith Drennan of the Working Hands podcast. Uh, go check that out if you're not uh, listening to the Working Hand, Hands podcast. Fantastic show. Bob Brian Hooten of Hooten Knives, Jason Moss in Texas, Mark LeBlanc, our man in Canada, Ken Kemna, Crafty Man Forge, James Hunsberger of Hunsberger Pocket Knives, Cardoso Knives, Sean Michael Owen of Moxie Engineering, KnifeMaterial.at, Moonshine Leatherworks, which, which is Mr. Brian Absher. The Working Hands Podcast is actually supporting us as well. Ryan Coakley of Ryan Chadbourne Knifeworks. Carol Ann Jeanette Racine, who is Kawa Jeanette, on, uh, she's our general manager of wood carving and uh, spoon making. Oxford Blade Co., MaritimeKnifeSupply.com, another Canadian company where you can take advantage of the Canadian U.S. dollar exchange rate. So think about that. Go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Richard Beck of Beck's Armory. Jared Weaver. Okay, so now we've got a few new ones. Leon Shanks of Two Birds Blade Works, Dennis Terrell of Terrell Knife Works, Thomas Moz, uh, Moberg, Denny Dulovich, Donnie Dulovich, I'm sorry, Donnie, Donnie Dulovich of Florida, and Bruce Carlson. Bruce Carlson's the guy that made the crane, so I didn't even realize he was a, uh, a patron now. Oh, nice. And finally, Maximus Knives. Yeah. Neil has Neil. joined up as Neil. So he's joined up as we have now 36 patrons. Sweet. Whew. So for Whew. man, that's a lot. For folks listening, uh, I believe here in the next couple of weeks will actually be uh, Neil's coming on the show, I think. So a little teaser yes, for folks. We'll be joining coming us. Coming up. We'll have Neil yeah. join us, which should be fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. So listen, guys, I'm going to wrap the show. I think this was a fantastic episode with Jeremy over Simple Little Life. Yeah. And um, if if you want to find Jeremy, if you'd never heard of him before, which I highly doubt, Get but out if you from want under to your go rock. Fa- yeah, <clears throat> figure out who he is, uh, just Google Simple Little Life or go to his website, homesteadknives.com. Is that correct? Homesteadknives.com? Yep, well, before we get and, out here, I've got the uh, trombone ready if you have a dad joke. Oh, oh man. I've got yeah. some good dad jokes uh, for for this week. Um, I got one, in too. In fact. There we oh, go. Oh, no. We go. We'll All end right. it with Jeremy's. We'll end it with Jeremy's. Oh. So <laughs> this one is apropos because of uh, where Jeremy lives. He says, um, this is uh, Nate Walpole of Walrus Steel, by the way. He sent this to us. When I moved into my new igloo, my friends threw me a surprise housewarming party. And now I'm homeless. Uh, oh, yep. <laughs> you, let's let's try that again, Brian. Yeah, and now point. I'm homeless. Oh! <laughs> I moved into an igloo, and they threw me a housewarming party, uh, and now I'm homeless. There we go. Uh, See, it's a real problem up here. <laughs> <laughs> You don't live in an igloo, do you? I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Dog sleds. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Do you want my joke? My dad yeah, joke? Uh, yes, of let's course. Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're, we're waiting. Why can't bicycles stand on their own? Why? Because they're too tired. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's good. I like that. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, Jeremy, thank you. Yeah. On that note, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate your work. No, this was a blast. I really enjoy your inspiration. podcast. It's an honor to be on it, so thank you. Well, thank you. Oh, man. <laughs> I never I never in my wildest dreams thought we would be having this conversation. I know. It's such a cool thing, dude. Awesome. It really is. Anytime, guys. Anytime. All right. Very good. Well, listen, thank you so much for listening to the Work For It podcast. I hope you all have a good working week ahead. I know I am going to be working for it, as are everybody else that's on this show, including Jeremy. He's he's working hard for it every single day. Hard work and good luck. My name is Brian House. I'm Brian Cohn. And I'm Ben Butler. And I'm Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, 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 goodbye. 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 You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.